And uh, of course, we, we'll talk tonight a little bit about what we were just doing. And notice here, I've entitled tonight's message as we continue this series on the church, the real church, and that's, that's what we want to be, is a, we want to be a biblical church. Tonight, I want to talk about something that I believe it's been a little bit skewed, and uh, there's been a lot of misunderstanding. We're going to look at what God thinks about this matter of worship. And so tonight, I want you to, as we begin, started here in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1, the Bible says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, ye also as lively stones are built up in spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Now we'll begin here in this passage tonight talking about this matter of worship. And I want to say by way of introduction tonight, again, that I think when I have studied some various movements and churches in the world today, that certainly worship, when you say the word and you think of the concept, it does bring a variety of different images to people's minds. What is true worship? How does God define what worship is? And how does God instruct us to make offerings to Him? These are all a part of worship. A great passage that you can go to in the Psalms in there in your notes is Psalm 95. Look at these verses and we can see what God talks about as far as worship. Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. By the way, I'll just stop here and say thank you to all of you that have uh, been serious about and joined up and, and uh, just been a, a blessing in the choir. It's, it's an awesome thing to see our folks not only in the choir, but see them enjoying the choir the way they are. I believe it, it leads us in worship, and I so love hearing our, our choir. I know a lot of times people think, well, I just can't, I can't sing much, but the Bible says right here, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And we see that in the Word of God. Now, as we continue thinking about worship, it says, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms for the lord is a great god and a great king above all gods in his hand are the deep places of the earth the strength of the hills is also is is his also the sea is his and he made it and his hands formed the dry land oh come let us worship and bow down let us kneel before the lord our maker. When you look at those verses and many others in the Bible, uh, I think you can come to the conclusion that true worship, I believe, is an act of a heart that is reverent. Worship is really uh, taken from the word itself, means to ascribe worth towards another, to ascribe worth. Worship literally means to prostrate oneself in homage, to do reverence to. How about this? To adore. At Christmas time, we sing this song, Oh, come let us adore him. Uh, folks, listen, it just isn't 
Christmas time. We sing those songs one month out of the year, but let us adore the Lord every day. Let us worship the Lord every day of our lives. And I'll tell you, as I think about worshiping Him, the reality is, is that when it comes to worship, we worship what we believe is worthy. Let me say that again. We worship what we believe is worthy. And certainly, He is worthy. Uh, our beliefs, our convictions are based on the Word of God. From what we find in the Scriptures about Him is what we understand is that He is worthy because He is God. You remember when Jesus was on this earth and He was traveling around and, and uh, people were ascribing worth to Him? They were, they were, and, and He was being accused of being blasphemous because they were worshiping Him. They said only God should be worshiped. Well, they said it right, but they didn't realize that's what those people were doing. They were worshiping God. They didn't believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. At his birth, remember the kings came, the wise men came, and they worshiped even a child, a Christ child, they worshiped him. When you think about how they worshiped him, they did it because they brought gifts because he was worthy of his, their worship. Worship, again, is an attitude of the heart, but it is something that is expressed in our actions. Uh, you take, and we'll talk a little bit about this tonight, it's not the thrust of the message, but when we give, what are we saying? I love you, Lord. I'm giving back to you what is rightfully yours, what you deserve. Uh, the truth is, it all belongs to Him. He is allowing us to steward what He has given to us. Certainly, he is worthy of everything in our lives. And a lot of worship today is worship that is misguided. You find people that are worshiping uh, actors and actresses from Hollywood. You find people that are worshiping uh, celebrities. Uh, they're worshiping uh, sports figures. They're worship People idolize, they worship so many things in the world today. But folks, understand, for the Christian, for the believer... The only person that we should worship is the Lord. He is the only one that we should worship. And God is the one that is worthy of our worship and our adoration. Look what John the Revelator wrote there in Revelation 4. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. So I want you to think about this matter of worship tonight. That's what the message is going to revolve around. And it all begins with us. In other words, number one, we're the people of worship. The people of worship. Again, if you look back in the verses we read, go to chapter 2 of 1 Peter. Look at verse 4 again. The Bible says, To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, Ye also, now look at the focus here because verse 4 is talking about the Lord. Verse number 5 is where we come in, all right? The people of worship. And the Bible says here in verse number 5, Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices 
acceptable to God by Christ, by Jesus Christ. Now, when we look at this, I think one of the things, and just what we're doing right now, just what we just were doing a minute ago, I think it's a privilege to come together and to worship Christ as a church family. I love being a part of a church. Uh, everywhere we go, the hardest times in our lives, and we've never, it's always been the Lord, but it, some of the most difficult times for my family is when God moved us in ministry to another place. Because you get so attached to those people and you've worshiped the Lord uh, in so many ways with God's people. And, and it, listen, I think it's a privilege when you get together like that. As I think about what Peter's writing here, Peter gives two of these titles that I think are very important to our worship and we need to consider them. Notice the first one is he mentions that we are the lively stones. Now, we all know that from the Word of God, Jesus Christ is the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone. But we who are lively stones, we are connected to that cornerstone, to the Lord Jesus Christ. And watch this. The Lord being the chief cornerstone and we being the lively stones, you know what together we make up? We make up the spiritual house of God. This is what it says right here in the Word of God. We are a part of the church, and as a spiritual building, we have a responsibility to lift up the truth so that all people can see the truth and all people can hear the truth. Now, why is that so important? Because the truth is what made all of us free, and the truth is what the world needs today. So as we come together with the Lord, we are a part of His church. We are a part of a spiritual building. Look what Timothy, Paul wrote to Timothy, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and the ground of the what? Of the truth. See, folks, we have something that this world needs. Uh, you go to a lot of places, and the one thing that people will leave out and avoid is the truth. And we need to make sure that we are a, a people that are lively stones, that we are connected to the Lord Jesus Christ. But not only is, does he say when it comes to worshiping that we are the lively stones, but notice he also says, secondly, that we are known as believer priests. We are an holy priesthood. Uh, one of the cardinal doctrines of being a Baptist believer is we believe in the priesthood of the believers. I don't have time to go into all of it tonight, but I will tell you this, that understand that there was the priest, the, the, the line of priests in the Old Testament, and there are many of the principles that were laid out for the priesthood, dealing with Aaron and all those, uh, his sons, those that that perform the priestly duties in the Old Testament. But I'm going to tell you, as you think about us being a holy priesthood, there is still this matter of separation. If you look at when they had the tabernacle in the wilderness, that the tribes of Israel would gather, and, and every time they would establish camp on every side of the tabernacle were all the 12 tribes of Israel. Well, understand that there was one group of people that was not a part of all of those, and that was the priests. They were separate from the tribes. 
And the Bible does teach, and, and again, I don't, I'm not going to get into this. Maybe I'll address this at a later time. But most of us don't understand that there is this matter in the Word of God for a believer, a standard of separation. In other words, when you think about it, God has determined that He is holy and therefore we are to be holy. Uh, if you read how when they would go in and they would offer up the atonement on the holy day and other times and they would make an atonements for the sins of the people, how they would wash themselves as they would go in, how that they would make sure that they were right with God before they went into that holy place. Folks, anytime, we don't, we don't have to do like the high priest did. We, every day of our lives as believer priests, can come into the presence of Almighty God. We can come boldly before the throne of grace. Are you with me tonight? Yes. Now, when you think about this, I wonder how many times we take it as seriously as the high priest did in his day that he was about to enter into the very presence of God. And I think a lot of times we don't think of it that way, but Jesus is our high priest. And Jesus, because of our faith in his sacrifice, and his sacrifice was for our sins. I read those verses this morning out of Isaiah. Our iniquity was placed upon him. But listen, because of our faith in his sacrifice, that is what makes us believer priest is because of what Jesus did, not because of what we have done. And we've been given that direct access by God that as we go, listen, this is what Peter's writing about here, that as we go to him, we don't bring blood from an animal. We bring spiritual sacrifices to him. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about this. Maybe this is something you've heard about. Maybe you have never really studied this in the Word of God, but there are spiritual sacrifices that we need to be bringing to God just as the priests in the Old Testaments did. Listen, worship is not people performing on the platform of a church in a church service. Worship is all of us in the church being a people of worship. And tonight, I think we all need to understand that if we're going to worship Him, we have to be the people of worship. We are lively stones. We are believer priests. And so we see this part of worship, it involves the people. But notice, secondly, let's talk about the priority of worship. Because when we think about it, I want to I draw your attention, maybe your mind tonight. You may want to turn over to John chapter number 4, but it's the passage where Jesus dealt with the woman at the well. Remember that story in John 4? And Jesus goes, he says, I must needs go through Samaria. And his disciples, they didn't really understand why he needed to do that. They went into town. While they went into town, Jesus went. He sat down on the well. And while he was sitting on that well, here comes the woman. Now, we all know a little bit about this woman. Uh, her reputation wasn't the greatest. By the way, none of ours was either. This woman comes and she really doesn't want to talk to anybody. She really doesn't want to deal with anybody. And as a result of uh, her coming to the well like she did every other day, she finds Jesus there. Jesus begins a conversation with her in John chapter number 4. Now, he tells this woman at the well that there are two 
priorities. He's talking to a woman that really didn't know him as the Messiah and really didn't understand this matter of worship. And in my life, the Lord has shown me from his word and through other preaching and, 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 and spiritual men in my life, God has shown me what the priorities should be when it comes to this matter of worshiping him. And Jesus shares these two priorities, and these priorities have to be in place if there is to be true worship that is offered to the Lord. Now, I think these are important for us to understand because the Bible lays them out. In John 4 and verse 24, the Bible says this, God is a spirit, and they that worship him, listen to this word, must. It's not up to us. Sometimes people say, Pastor, why do we do things the way we do it? Uh, how, how come we're not like this? I used to go to a church and they did it this way. Folks, it's not up to me. The Bible says that if we're going to worship the Lord, here's what Jesus told the woman at the well, that he must worship him in spirit and in truth. Those are the two priorities. Now let's talk about those priorities. The first one is to worship in the spirit. Now all of us understand as a part of the spiritual house of God that the spirit of man is that part of us that has the ability to fellowship with the Lord. Now that part that has the ability to fellowship with the Lord, that part was brought to life when we got saved. We received the Holy Spirit of God into our lives and we now can only worship in the spirit and those of us that have been born again. Remember the conversation one chapter back in John chapter three when he was talking with Nicodemus and he says, how can a man be born when he is old? And Jesus said to Nicodemus, and by the way, it is still true for everyone today, ye must be born again. The only way that we can worship the Lord in the spirit is that we have been born again by the Spirit of God. And we need to understand tonight, as it says here, that that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Jesus said to Nicodemus, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. You see, the moment that we got saved, and I hope you can think back, I hope it hasn't gotten old in your life, I hope it's as fresh today as it ever was, but the moment that you got saved, the Holy Spirit of God took up residence in your life. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Everywhere you go, the Holy Spirit of God goes with you. Look in your notes here in Ephesians 1, in verse 13, the Bible says, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of His glory. Folks, listen tonight. When we think about this matter of worship, it is far more than what you see these churches today with people throwing their heads back and raising their hands in the air and swaying back and forth and singing kumbaya. It is truly worshiping the God that we know in spirit and in truth. That is the only way that we can worship him. And it is the Holy Spirit of God who enables us to worship in a way, listen, 
that is pleasing to God. See, there's a lot of worship out there. But what I always want to ask myself is, the way we worship here at Bible Baptist Church, the way I worship God in my life, is it really pleasing to the Lord? And the first priority is, is that it has to be done in the Spirit. We must worship Him, and it's the Spirit that stirs our hearts. Now look at the second priority, because not only did He tell the woman at the well that we have to worship Him in spirit, but He says also we have to worship Him in the truth. Now the truth is something that is being cast aside in the streets today. People don't want to hear the truth. They want to hear everything but the truth. I don't know how you can be a church without having the truth. Because the only way you can be a church without having the truth is to be a church that doesn't use, teach, or preach the Bible. Because the Bible says every word is true. God's word is what we need in our lives. And if we're going to worship him, we must worship in the truth. We can't worship God in the truth if we don't accept the truth. Tonight, look, whether I understand it, whether I agree with it or not, God's word is true, and I need to accept it for what it is. True worship is not about a place. It's about a person. We worship the Lord. We come together in the house of God with the people of God. But when Jesus spoke to that woman at the well there in John chapter number 4, Jesus made a statement to her, and he said to this woman, salvation is of the Jews. Now this is a statement again that many times people will take it and say that's why we are a special people because salvation is of us. When in reality what he was saying to that woman is this that he was referring to himself as the Messiah, the long-awaited one, the anointed one of God. He was saying salvation is of me. He said in John 14, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The only way a person can go to heaven is to, to listen to the truth, and Jesus is the truth. Any person that believes that there is another way to heaven does not understand the truth. Now, don't get me wrong. Let's be spiritual Christians. Let's be kind. If someone doesn't understand the truth, it's our responsibility to guide them and help them to understand the truth. Aren't you glad somebody took the time and was patient with you to help you understand the truth many years ago? By the way, there is still someone today, every day of my life, that is still patient and kind and still guides me into all truth, and his name is the Holy Spirit of God. But I'm glad that that young lady sitting right over there was patient with me kept sharing the truth with me. I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't be on my way to heaven today had it not been for someone that cared about the truth. We have to be men and women of the truth because the only way we can truly worship him is to worship him in spirit and in truth. True worship is centered around the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth. And if we don't lift up Christ, then we haven't worshiped biblically. We come together to lift him up. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. 
And that is my responsibility as a pastor on Sundays and Wednesdays is to lift up the truth. But can I tell you, every one of us as Christians, every day of our lives, we have a responsibility to lift up the truth, to tell people the truth of the Word of God. So very important that we do this when we know the truth and we try to make people feel comfortable in their sin, we're wrong. Now again, I'm not saying being mean-spirited. I'm saying in love, uh, gently helping people to understand the truth of the Word of God. Folks, this is something that is plaguing our nation, plaguing our world today, is this matter of compromising the truth. Can I tell you, compromising the truth is not only unkind, it's ungodly. It's not what the Lord would have for us. The truth about the Lord Jesus Christ and the salvation that He can provide to everyone to the uttermost, the Bible says, is something that is being rejected in this world today. Romans 1.25, what a tremendous chapter, but look at this one verse. The Bible says of the world who changed the truth of God into what? A lie. And look at this, when you change the truth, Look at the way the world goes. They worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. Folks, that, let me go back to what I said earlier. People are worshiping idols and sports figures and movie stars when instead they should be worshiping the Lord. And when we worship in truth, we understand who Jesus is. The Holy Spirit of God prompts us as believers to have a desire. Listen, I love to worship God. I love to hear the praises that you offered up tonight about how God is working in your life. We were worshiping the Lord for what he has done, and I love the work of the Holy Spirit today, and oftentimes there's very little said about the Holy Spirit of God, but he is the third person of the Godhead, and Jesus said that it is the Spirit that quickeneth the flesh, profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they, these words, Jesus said, are spirit and they are life. And we need to see this matter of not only are we the people of worship, but there is a priority when it comes to worship. And that priority is twofold. It is that, that we must worship him in spirit. And secondly, we must worship him in truth. But I want you to look thirdly tonight at what I would call the practice of worship. Now, I might call it that, but everything I'm going to share with you is from the pages of Is this matter of practicing our worship. Uh, folks, look, how does God instruct us from His Word to ascribe worth to Him? Because that's what worship is. How do we do this? Now, most of you, whether you were taught this You've learned how to participate in many of the things I'm about to share with you. But I want to shed the light of the scriptures tonight as letter A. Notice again, what we're going to do is to practice worship, we've got to hold up the truth. I've mentioned this already, that if we don't lift up the truth, then let me ask you this. Who will? If the church of the living God doesn't hold up the truth, I'm going to tell you this, the government won't. The school system will not. Our elected officials will not. 
I mean, I can go on and on, but I'll tell you who must hold up the truth, and that is the church, the church of the living God. True worship holds up the truth, and it holds up the truth not only to saved people, but also to the lost. We have a responsibility to both of those groups, to the saved people, the holding up of the truth. What is it? It's proclaiming the word of God. Remember how Peter, we read it a minute ago, Peter says, as newborn babes. Most of us have been saved for quite a a while now. Some of you are younger in the Lord. But understand that we have an obligation to hold up the truth. And to those that are saved and know the Lord as their Savior, we need to be proclaiming the truth of the Word of God. But what about to the lost? I mean, we have a responsibility there. Now, as we think about holding up the truth, again, if you go back in the Bible in the Old Testament, part of the responsibility of those priests were that they were to keep the Word of God, they were to instruct the Word of God, and they were to teach the Word of God. It was even something that God instructed even the kings in the Old Testament, that they were to be very careful with the Word of God. Look what it says here in Deuteronomy 17. God says, And it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom. And now you remember what the Bible says? God establishes. God is the one that sets them on the throne And God is also the one that removes those from the throne. And the Bible says this is what God wants. You know what God wants our president to be? He wants him to be a Christian man. God wants the kings of this world to be Christian men that hold God's word, the truth, in high regard. Uh, Listen, I I pray that, that our nation would turn back to God and get back to some of those Christian principles that our nation was founded upon. I love to think about how when they had the Continental Congress and when they had all these de- things, that they, the declaration and the signing of it, that they used to get together and they had prayer meetings before they did any business when it came to this land. And the Bible says, even in the days of the kings, it says that he that sitteth on the throne of his kingdom, that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book out of that which is before the priests, the Levites, and it shall be with him. This is talking about the king. And he shall read therein all the days of his life. Hey, the kings are supposed to be reading the Bible too. The kings are supposed to be knowing the truth of the word of God too. And the Bible says that as he reads it, that he may learn from his reading to fear the Lord his God, to keep all the words of this law and these statutes to do them. You see, when you look in the Bible, in the Old Testament, what did God want? God wanted His people to treasure His Word, the truth, the law, as it was described. God wanted them to honor Him as they read the Word of God. When you get to the New Testament in the Bible, here's what you find is God now wants His church, the vehicle, the institution that God established for this present time that we live in. God wants His church to do the same thing to treasure his word, to lift him up through the word of God. And when the truth is lifted up, listen, we have one responsibility, and that is we are to hear it and we are to obey it as we hear the truth of the word of God. So how does our worship, we've talked about the saved, how does our worship and holding up the truth deal with the lost? Look at what it says here as Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 
He says, but if all prophecy, and there come in one that believeth not, a lost person, or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all, and thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is, what's those next two words? That God is what? In you, notice, and the rest of it, of a truth. I want you to look at those words because here's what I see. That if lost people are around saved people, especially in a church service, in a, in a, in a service as they come into the service, the, the unsaved that are there in attendance, as they are there and they're hearing the truth and they're observing what God's people are doing, God by His Holy Spirit takes that truth, they become convicted of the sin in their lives, and from that and understanding the truth, they then start to worship God the exact same way that we worship God. I'm a living example of that. I remember when I started to go to church and to a real church, a true church, that was worshiping the Lord. And it was unlike anything that I had ever seen in my life. And I began to watch people around me. I began to see what people around me did. And listen, they were doing what they were doing because of what they believed. And it caused me to start thinking about my own life. Inside, I began to search my own heart. The truth was starting to work in my own life. The Holy Spirit was working even before I knew it. Folks, I'm telling you tonight, it is imperative that our worship holds up the truth so that those that do not know Christ can come to know Him because of the truth that we are holding up. Look, folks, if we're hiding the truth, they will never know it. We must share the truth everywhere we go. So we're holding up the truth. That is one of the things that we see about practicing this matter of worship. But notice, secondly, when it comes to the practice of worship, we must secondly honor Christ with sacrifice. Now, again, a lot of times we don't think about this. Certainly, we think whenever the offering plates are passed that that is our offering. We call that. It's time for the offering. Uh, the, the offertory, we call it sometimes. Now, another way that we can worship God is through these spiritual sacrifices. That's what Peter was writing about. And all scripture is given by inspiration of God. So it sounds to me like God is making reference to some type of spiritual sacrifices. So let's talk about those for a minute because when we come together to worship God, we should render service to Him or homage, we should offer gifts. Again, remember that when Jesus was born, they, they came to him bringing gold and frankincense and myrrh. They, they offered gifts to God. And throughout the word of God, you see the same principles about offering spiritual sacrifices. Now, worshiping, it, it involves a heart attitude. Remember what God says? That when we give, we should give with what kind of heart? cheerful heart. See, it's talking about a heart attitude. Sometimes people get really, really crossways when you start to talk about taking an offering. Now, it's not that way in our church. This is a wonderful giving church, 
but I've seen people really struggle with this about offering gifts to the Lord. Listen, there's, when, I, when I think about giving to the Lord, all I have to do is start thinking about what He gave for me. No gift that I give would ever come close to what He gave for me. And when I considered that, I thought about these spiritual sacrifices here that are ways that we can show our adoration to God. And I want to share these with you tonight because they're ways that we can express our worship to Him. They're types of sacrifices that we, you and I, can bring to God. Look at the first one tonight is we can offer up the sacrifice of our person. Our person. Now, you, you read in the Word of God, Romans 12, 1, Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, saved people. It's for all of us tonight. He says, I beseech you, I'm begging you, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. God's not asking you to go out and commit suicide. He doesn't want you to take your life. He says, look, I want you to offer your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. Now, look, don't take my definition of what is acceptable and what's not acceptable. Go to the Bible. What does God say is pleasing to Him? We are to be a holy people, acceptable unto God. And look what it says here, which is your what kind of service? Reasonable. Reasonable. I've said it before, that's the word logikos. We get our English word logical. What, What is he saying here? When it comes to spiritual sacrifices, the first one that we look at tonight is our person. It's the most reasonable thing that we can do is to offer ourselves to God. Now, again, I said it about myself. When God saved me, he didn't get much. But what I've always said is, Lord, here I am. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Uh, years ago, and I just, just I, it wasn't a literal, but I just, I made a promise to God. I gave God a blank check of my life. And I said, Lord, here it is. Whatever you want me to do, I give you my life. And the Lord has, has taken this life. And God has had His way in my life. God says, there's a a spiritual sacrifice that I want you to give, and that is that of your bodies, yourself. And many people are not willing to give of themselves to the Lord. You study Paul's life, he certainly demonstrated giving his person over and over and over again to the Lord. And that is one spiritual sacrifice. Look at the next one. Not only this matter of our person and giving up our rights uh, to the Lord, but secondly, a second spiritual sacrifice is our praise. Uh, Look, this is something that is not just on Sundays. It's something that's continual. Do you know if God's people praise God more often and publicly, it would change this world we live in? It would change what some people think about God? Look what, look what we see here in Hebrews 13, 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God, how often? 
continually. That is, and I love this phrase, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Now we set aside a day in Thanksgiving every year, right? Called Thanksgiving Day. I really believe it's just there because somebody wanted to eat a turkey. But you know, every day ought to be Thanksgiving for the Christian. Every day, the fruit of your lips, there should be praise flowing from your mouth about how good God is. It's the sacrifice of our praise. We're to praise Him for all He has done for us. See, the spiritual sacrifice of our person, the spiritual sacrifice of our praise. How about the third spiritual sacrifice? Our prayer. Our prayer. Our prayers. The Bible talks about it this way. Our prayers are a sweet incense unto God. A sweet-smelling savor. The Bible says in Revelation 5, 8, when he had taken the book and the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, notice capital L there, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of who? Of saints. The prayers of saints. See, God loves for us to bring our needs before him. Prayer is a form of humbling ourselves, but it's also a way that we can worship Him. It is a spiritual sacrifice, and so the spiritual sacrifices that we give to God is our person and our praise and our prayers, and there's a fourth one. And guess what? It starts with the letter P. It's our possessions. Our possessions. See, God sees our gifts, whatever it is we give to Him. God sees it as an expression of worship. Look what the Bible says over in Acts 20 there in your notes where we see the Bible says, I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus. These are Jesus' words. Let's read them together. He said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That's what Jesus said. There's a joy in giving. Because, look here, if you're not giving it, what are you doing? You're holding on to it. You're not offering a spiritual sacrifice to God. And when we think about this matter of our possessions, we who love God should be willing to give to Him. Giving is not just a program that the church years ago drummed up. It is an opportunity for us who are believer priests to offer a tangible expression of worship. Folks, tonight, I'm going to tell you, and I mean this with all sincerity, it's a privilege to give to the Lord. It's a privilege. When you think about all that the Lord has done, there is no sacrifice too great to give in worship of our God. And so tonight, when you think about this matter of worship, and we've looked at the people of worship, and we've looked at the priority of worship in spirit and in truth, and we've looked at the practice of worship, we need to hold up the truth, and we need to honor Christ with sacrifice in the light of Scripture tonight. May we, before we leave tonight, examine our hearts and ask the Lord, is my worship, my form of worship, is it something that pleases you? Is it is something that lines up with the Word of God? Is it something that's based on emotion? 
or is it something that's based on the Word of God? Let's bow our heads tonight. As we bow our heads tonight with our eyes closed, as you think about this matter of worship, we're talking about true worship, which has to be centered on the Lord Jesus Christ. It has to be based on the truth. Is your worship filled with expressions of sacrifice to the Lord? If it's not, then it's time for you to truly worship the way God has intended. May God help us to be true worshipers. And the only way we're going to do that is to see God's view on what real worship is all about. Lord, thank you for this evening. Thank you for the Word of God that instructs us in this matter of worship. And certainly we as the people of God need to understand that we are directly connected to you. And for all that you have done for us, Lord, may we understand we are a part of a spiritual house. And Lord, may we understand that the only way that we can worship you is we must worship you in spirit and in truth. I pray that everyone here tonight is saved, that everyone knows Christ as their Savior. And if we are all saved, then we all have the Spirit of God in living in us, dwelling in us. And Lord, that's the only way that we can worship you in spirit. And we must adhere to the truth of the Word of God. Lord, as I think about this matter of practicing the worship that we are to practice, there are spiritual sacrifices that we need to be making to you. And Lord, help us to be offering those sacrifices to you continually. Lord, may you receive them. May you be pleased with them. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you stand?